This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Welcome to Ace Cast Live here on a Tuesday as we have a wonderful show for you from the field. If you are watching on YouTube or on Twitter, you can see behind us the Oakland Athletics are taking BP. After that is going to be the Houston Astros. And before you know it, we'll have game two of the three-game set between the A's and the Houston Astros. we got a great show for you once again today. Vince Catronio, one of the voices of your Oakland Athletics, is going to be here coming up at 4.15. Sometime after BP, the American League leader in hold, Zach Jackson, will be here. I believe that will be eh, 4.45-ish. I always put 4.30 to be tentative. 4.30-ish. But there's a a window between 4.30 and 4.45. Yeah, there's an ish in there that we think Zach Jackson will be there. And then Daniel Susak, the big catcher, number one pick by the Athletics, 19th pick overall in this year's draft at the University of Arizona. He's a big catcher. Yes, we got another catcher, and he is going to stop by. He's got a dazzle because we got to tell him that Henry Bolte yesterday, the high schooler, absolutely dazzled in his performance here on A's Cast Live. I mean, I got to tell you, I I don't interview many high school students, but I can tell you that this kid was really, really sharp and has the makings of a star. 6'3", he had absolute guns on him. You can tell he'd been in the gym. I mean, you look neck down. He looked like he could be 24, 25 years old, a young athlete in his prime. But at 18, 6'3", uh, he had the baby face. Uh, Bolte looks like the real deal. So Susak got some pressure coming on here for from a media standpoint, and we'll talk to the number one pick. But the big issue today. You forgot Eno Saris is coming by at five. Oh, Eno Saris is, oh, we're going to be talking about three true outcomes with yep. Eno Saris. I didn't forget him on the bottom line. From The Athletic, one of our favorite national baseball columnists will be here, uh, Eno Saris. Three true outcomes are down. That's home run, strikeouts, and walks. I got a couple questions on that. Now, are all three down? I doubt strikeouts are down. I know home runs are down. So when you say three true outcomes are down, which ones are down, and how have they affected the actual game of baseball from an entertainment standpoint? Or, or if, if strikeouts are, are still up and home runs are down, that is bad news. And, God, wind's really blowing in today out of left. I mean, it is really blowing. The flags are not up as we speak. Uh, you can just tell. It's so funny about the Coliseum. 
is how much the wind changes. You know, whether you're talking a day game to night game, whether you're talking about BP to the night, it's absolutely different. Experienced it for years working for the Raiders where when the sun was out, like if it was going to be like a Sunday night game or a Thursday night game when the team was out here, and obviously that was fall and winter, but still similar conditions, how the wind when the sun is out blows, swirls one way, but then when it gets nighttime, you see the wind actually flips and acts differently. So, but definitely a little windy inside the bowl today. Wanted to get started with this because I don't know how today is going to play out. I could be overly dramatic and say that this is the biggest start for Frankie Montas in his A's career. Not for, not, not really for Frankie personally, but I would say for the Oakland Athletics. Because this is, you know, if Frankie's going to get traded, this was probably Frankie's last start. Because you got the game tomorrow. You got the day off on Thursday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, trading deadline's Tuesday. And I believe we have an off day on Monday, too. So Do we have an off day on Monday? I think so. Because, yeah, because we, we play in Chicago on the south side. Day off. They don't play on the north side? Uh, the Cubs do. They had an emotional send-off today for uh, Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras. They Wilson both. Contreras. I got to see a little bit of that today while at the gym against the Pirates. And uh, yeah. standing ovation, hugs all around. I mean, they he hasn't been traded yet. He's still a Cubs employee, yeah. but uh, he definitely said his, his goodbyes the right way today on the way out. Uh, Monday off day because then we go play in uh Okay, Anaheim. so this for sure. This should be Frankie's last start. Well, unless you want to be gutsy, well, the deadline will be gone. We will be done and over with on deadlines Tuesday. Tuesday. I think it's at three p.m. our time, so six Eastern. So, I mean, to me, because I just wanted to refresh last night texting the commander here. You know, in twenty twenty, he pitched in two games in the playoffs: White Sox and Astros. Both those games were not starts. So in his, but he factored in both the games he pitched in. Pitched in. He's one and one with a five. Uh, uh, he went five and two thirds with a nine point five three ERA. But he's one and one in the postseason. He hasn't started a postseason game. So people tried to overplay the. This is Frankie Monta. Hey, Frank, you're getting a guy. He's got the postseason experience. Oh, okay, yeah, he's pitched in games, but. Word out of Mark Kotze today from right over here in the dugout is Frankie's going to go 53 pitches and then they're going to see. And if I wanted to really build this up as this starts huge for Frankie, oh, my God, this is the showcase. If Frankie Montas goes 53 pitches today, this is not a showcase. I mean – Jim Bowden, the former GM on The Athletics, said he had a question, 25 questions about the trading deadline. Someone asked him about Frankie Montas. Remember when Frankie Montas was leading every single article about the trade deadline as of two, three weeks ago? Now, question, what do you think of Frankie Montas? Jim Bowden says, with his health, it's a mid-level prospect and a conditional player to be named later based on how he does with the team he's traded to. That's the best you're going to get. Frankie went 
from leading almost every single article of the trade deadline, who's the most important guy? Because it wasn't Juan Soto at the time. He hadn't turned down the $440 million yet. It was Frankie Montas. Went from the top guy at the trading deadline to now a mid-level guy with a player to be named based on how he plays. I don't know if I like that. I'm kind of in the camp of I, I might I, I might hold him. Because right now I'm looking at what the A's got for Chapman, Olsen, Bassett, Manaya. I'm not gonna say Bethancourt, but I haven't you know, obviously those these trades will really be graded down the line over the next couple of years. But I would like to see some guys that can help at the big league level. And as of right now, where we stand on July 26, 2022, we have no help from those trades. I'm not going to give Pache that. I'm not going to give Logue that. I'm not going to give Sneed, Aller. I oh, mean, you have not had. Congrats, Adam Aller, first career win last night. But, yeah, I know what you mean. None of those. And then the rest of the guys are coming off injuries like Gunnar Hoagland and, and JT Ginn. Yeah, we've, uh, we've, so essentially, you traded these guys. Adrian Martinez was another guy that made some starts, but Kevin Smith, you thought he was going to be a guy that would be playing here. He's hitting what under two hundred in Vegas. When I looked the other day, he was hitting one ninety one. So I mean, you you traded Olson, Chapman, Manaya, and Bassett, and you've gotten nothing, basically nothing. And no offense to the guys that you've traded for and brought here, but you've gotten. I mean, at least you could say zero consistency from these trades at the big league level. And that's where I see Frankie Montas. If I'm not if I'm getting some mid level prospect and a player to be named, I, I'm I, I might hold on. You don't have to get rid of Frankie. Do I have a better chance maybe of holding on to Frankie? Let Frankie have a strong end of the second half. Keep Frankie, and I'm going to ask Vince Catronio this, keep Frankie and go into the offseason because you know when you get to spring training, just like what you saw with Bassett and Mania, you can trade him later and trade him at the end of spring training because someone will have an issue. Someone will run into an injury, and all of a sudden, you now have Frankie there standing as the top guy that you can go out and get for a GM that's now panicking. Start of the season, he's lost his one, two, or three starter. Is that a better scenario to trade Frankie Montas? I would say so if right now you're only going to go 53 pitches today. Now, I'm hoping that he gets to 53 pitches today, feels great. I mean, I, I would like to see six strong. You see six strong today from Frankie Montas. That gives a GM who needs starting pitching and who's desperate. And we've got, what, 16 teams right now that are, are, are right in the hunt? You got 16 teams for sure in the hunt, wild card, leading your division, have a wild card spot or near wild card spot. You got a bunch of teams. Find me a GM who's desperate and sees Frankie go six strong innings. Now that now he's comfortable going out there and making that decision on giving up a better prospect or two for Frankie versus, eh, I'm just going to give you this, 
and let's see what Frankie does for me, and then we'll decide on a player to be named later. And that is always a, a flip of the coin right there. To me, today, Frankie's got you got to show the goods. You got to show the goods. Right? If I'm selling a house, I got to open up that house. I'm not going to show you half the house. I'm not going to show you half the house and you don't get to see the backyard. You got to see everything today. You got to see front yard. You got to see attic. You got to see basement. I got to see the kitchen. I got to see the remodel. I got to see the landscaping in the backyard. I need to see the whole house today. You know, Commander has this in the playbook. Guys are batting 171 off of his splitter. They're batting 194 off of his slider. Well, I got to see that today. I just don't need to see the numbers. I need to see that today. It's what we need to see. And unfortunately for Frankie, Frankie has only gotten one or zero runs in 10 of the last 18 starts for him. So hopefully the offense, by the way, offense is booming right now. The, the, the offense for the A's has been fantastic. 55 runs in the last 11 games, 15 home runs. Guys are going deep. Sitting over here, Tony Kemp sitting over here in the dugout's gone deep a couple times. Uh, the offense commander has really turned it around. And it's fantastic for the fans to see that offense and to score a lot more runs. Yeah, and you're seeing a lot more home runs hit, something that the A's haven't done at the Coliseum all year. And they're actually, if you if you look at the, I've been tracking all year because I'm the only I'm the only nerd that tracks how the team does at home. And they're playing a lot better at home. Their home their home runs at home now are 31 for a team that usually is one of the top teams in the American League for hitting home runs at their home ballpark. So. You like to see the offense coming around. Jonah Bride's back today. He'll be in the lineup playing second base. Jed Lowry's back today. Je in Vegas. Playing in, in Vegas. Vegas? Yeah, he's doing a rehab in Vegas. I haven't even looked at the so lineup that, today. So that's, that's the excitement you're getting. And, and back to Frankie for a second. So say you hold on to him. There is a new name that's been emer that's emerging out there, according to I think it was Ken Rosenthal had a piece or someone from The Athletic, one of the, the, the Troy Tigers writers had a piece. Uh, Tarek Skubal might be available if a team doesn't get Luis Castillo or Frankie in a trade. And apparently the Marlins are now shopping everyone that's not named Sandy. So there's going to be some more starting pitchers on the market. But So if you don't go out and show the goods today. Yeah, you might not. You might be, you hold on until next year. He's a phrase after next season. So it, may, it, just, it makes no sense for Frankie to go out today, throw 50 pitches, pull them, and then say, what are you going to give us? You're not, you're not going to get your, ret your return on investment. You're just not. You're not going to get full value. And, I mean, you've held on. I mean, look at the guys. Look at this lineup today. VML Machine, is he a young guy? Uh, he's what, 27, 28. Ramon Laureano, is he young? Uh, 27. Sean Murphy, is he young? 27. Chad Pender, 30. 30. Elvis, 33. Piscotti, what, 34? No, Piscotti's 31, 32. I think Elvis is the oldest guy probably in the lineup today. I think the oldest guys on the team. Piscotti's uh, 31. The oldest, guy, the guys older than him on the team, uh, older than Elvis, would be Jed and, and Stephen Vogt, position player-wise. Kemp, who just ran by, he's 30. Sky Bolt's 28. Jonah Bride is your one. I, I mean, he's 26. So, I, I mean, I, it, there's going to be no uprising in A's Nation if Frankie Montas is not moved. A's nation. I haven't heard that one yet. So I'm making it up. Okay. So there's only one nation. Remember that. Yeah. Well, don't tell the Red Sox that. You tell the Red well, Sox fans the Raiders nation is the only nation. It was uh, the original what, what about, nation. What about Steelers nation? There was no such thing as Steelers nation. That's totally it's made Steelers up. Steelers country. Totally what they call made it. up. So I'm not going to. 
I, I would if I had a vote. If the front, my office, my my press pass does say front office. By the way, my non-broadcaster pass. Uh, if you ask me, uh, I would say do not move him. If you're just gonna get, if you're just gonna get something that you're not thrilled about, you got to get something that you you truly believe will help you at the big league level at some point. And when you say mid-level prospect, that's somebody you're wishing. You're wishing on a star. That's like a what I would say mid-level is like between what I would say seven and fifteen maybe, and you're in a team system. And if you can, if you don't get that, then let Frankie pitch the rest of the year, and hopefully Frankie pitches lights out, and then you can move him at the winter meetings. Hopefully we have the winter meetings. You can move him at. Uh, in spring training, the same way. I mean, look, San Diego had issues. They came calling. There will be teams in spring training where a guy will get hurt, a guy will develop tendonitis, a guy will have something, and all of a sudden a team has a need right out of the gate. That, to me, is what you should do with Frankie Montas, which is the biggest story of today. If you're going to ask me, I'm going to say, Open up the house. That's exactly what the A's need to do. They need to showcase. They need to showcase what Frankie has to offer. Hello, Vinny. How are you, Townie? Good to see you. Scoot up a little bit as yeah. we're uh, here. I'm uh, trying to learn on... this whole TV thing. How are you You're doing? Good. I'm really good. Big day. Big big. You know, I was trying. I was. I wanted to build. Bill, this as a big day, right? Frankie Montas. And then, of course, Marcotze said we're going to look at 50-53 pitches and then go from there. For me, what I would like to see today, maybe too much, but if if you go to buy a house like you did in Arizona, you just didn't go to half the house, right? <laughs> you wanted to see what the front landscaping looked like. But I've seen this house a bunch already. I mean, I've driven by it. And I've watched. I've seen. I've actually been in the house. Okay, but but before you write that check, you're gonna go through the house Double again, and you want to see the backyard again. Make sure the lawn's not dead. Okay, the landscaping's okay. still alive. How's the <laughs> attic? I don't. Know, may have a basement, right? I want to see. I want to see that house Fair. one more time. Fair point. So, if he threw 75 pitches today and he was healthy and he was effective, would that would that pass muster for you? You know, the thing for me is that he threw 25 pitches in that first bullpen session, and it didn't seem like it was right for him to come right back and pitch. So he took another, as I said, aggressive bullpen, and then we saw the 53 pitches in the game that he last worked. So, uh, you know, in, in a normal progression, you're, he's in the 20-pitch range, I think, and he's certainly passed that because he's, he's pitched 100 innings this, this season. Uh, I just want to see him be effective. He's going to face a very good lineup. I think scouts want to see that more so than what he did against the Tigers and evaluate from there, and we'll, we'll see if decisions will be, will be made moving forward. You know, the deal is, is the longer and the better he is, the much easier it is for a GM to give up a better prospect. Maybe. I mean, the, the, look, this has been the worst-kept secret for the A's since March, and David Force told you, he's told us, Going back to March, the offers that were there in March, we felt like were probably the same offers we would be receiving now. So we were willing to wait to see if there was going to be some either chaos or just you know a stronger need from an additional team that would have created 
some urgency. And, and I think that has that certainly has happened. And so now we wait and see. I, for a guy that's going to give you two postseason runs, if he's traded by August 2nd, uh, what you should feel like is fair value. Uh, I don't know. Do you want somebody that you feel like could play in the big leagues for the last 60 games of the season for the athletics? Do you feel like you want somebody that's really close to double A AA or triple A? Do you want young players? I, I'm asking you. I, mean, I, I think it's fair to say that you can look at just about any position on the field with the athletics, except catcher, where they've got a lot of guys. <laughs> but aside, How many catchers can you play? <laughs> exactly. Is that is that changing in the new rules? The, you play like two or three guys? Gray Fossey lineup. <laughs> uh, aside, I think it's, it's fair to say you can look at just about any other position and say, if that if that player really intrigues us, we, we can make a move. There's not, we, don't, we don't need a, a third baseman, or we don't need an outfielder, or we don't need a – a second baseman. I think it's all in play, so I think it creates uh, an interesting challenge uh, for David Forrest and and Billy and and the whole front office uh, trying to make that decision. Yeah, the frustration, two things here. The frustration is you watched Olsen, Chapman, Manaya, and Bassett walk out that door and really haven't seen so much this year at this level, which is okay. There are going to be trades. There are going to be we'll look at long term but you haven't really gotten anything and now here you have Frankie and when a guy like Jim Bowden like reading him on the athletic says that at best you're going to get a right now a mid because of injury mid-level guy and a player to be named later based on how he does when he goes to the other team if that is true we don't know if it's true that's why I said you know how he does today will it impact it we don't know if it makes it easier for a GM to feel better about selling a trade for Frankie Montas, giving up a better prospect, uh, the question just would be for me, is it better now? But the good news is I could hold him and wait till the offseason, and especially in spring training where you know other teams, pitchers get hurt, GMs get desperate again, start of the year. Could I hold him now and get better later on? I don't know if that necessarily would happen with just one year of control as opposed to two, two postseason runs. Uh, to me, my, my point is this. If Frankie comes out of this healthy and we see the velocity that we saw against Detroit, 97 to 98, where his first two pitches, he maintained that through his 50-plus. If he does that today and he extends beyond that, he doesn't get into trouble and he has success, I go back to the games he had against Houston earlier this year when he was pumping 99 and come and get me, pal, because you yeah. can't. Because he, he was really feeling it, and I think that was the best Frankie Montas that, that you see. And I, and, I, and I think if you're the team that's trying to make that decision – do you determine if Frank, Frankie Motas is a dif- different difference maker? Those starts for me prove that the answer is yes. And, yeah, certainly you want him to be successful today and you want him to be healthy today. If those things are true, then I think those questions were already answered. And I do believe that uh, from the A's perspective, their asking price should be a fair one. It should be one that, that dictates a guy that's going to be a one or a two in somebody's rotation, depending on which team uh, gets him. And I think you should get something back in return that reflects that. I mean, we got a ton of teams who are either leading the division, leading a wild card, or right around it. And the extra wild card has brought a lot of people in there. So the good news is there's a lot of buyers. I think it's it's set up just perfectly, just enough extra teams, not too many, where they at one point they wanted to be, what, 14 teams, wanted to be higher. And I think a lot of people felt like it was going to be that high. Then those teams that were on the cusp could kind of lay back, hey, we're already in. We don't have to go crazy and try to add somebody because we're basically fighting for one three-game series, and potentially that three-game series is on the road because uh, it's not the one-game series, you know, like the one-game play-in like the A's had in 18 
and 19, where a lot of teams are saying, well, why should I make this tremendous push for one game, which potentially won't even be my home ballpark? So I think it's different this time. I think you've got a better chance to to uh, extend your postseason run, even if you start with three games on the road. And I think a guy like Frankie Montas is one that, to me, it's Frankie Montas and it's you know Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds, and then there's you know several others that you know may or may not come as a surprise. But to me, those are the top two guys that will attract the most attention from a starting pitching. Uh, perspective. You know, a couple guys that I want to get into, we'll do that in a second, but some other players that I've mentioned uh, lately in in these talks, and they may not be players that you see as a team that are going to be all, they're going to be Jeff Blum World Series home runs, right? They're not going to be this great, but they're guys that help you when you have injuries and they help you get to the finish line. And I think the A's have a couple of those guys. It's not sexy, and they're not going to end up in these articles that we're reading uh, uh, on the Internet or we're seeing on Twitter. But you take a guy like Chad Pinder that can play a lot of positions, uh, throw in a guy like Tony Kemp. You talk to some of the guys that can, you know, do a lot of different things for you on different nights just to help you get to the finish line, kind of like Christian Bethencourt, what, what we saw with Tampa. You could see those moves we made, right? More, more so with the two guys you mentioned because they both have postseason experience. You know, Pinder and Kemp, both with the A's and with the Astros, I think that carries a lot of weight. Their versatility certainly carries a lot of weight. They're both swinging the bat about as well as they have all season. So all those, all those things I kind of play into your hands, into the conversation that you're talking about. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think there's been conversations about that. You know, the, the challenge the A's have, like Pinder's a free agent. You know, are you making an offer for Chad to stay here? Does, does Chad want to stay uh, with the A's knowing that right now, it's, it's in a process where it looks like it's more long-term than short-term to get back to the postseason. And if he has his one crack at, at free agency, does he say, let me see what I'm worth out there. Let me look at some of the teams where I can be a piece to a more of a contending team in 2023 as opposed to what I have in, in 2022. I don't know if the A's have made an offer in him or not or even if he would consider it. So I think that's why a guy like him is in play. And Tony's versatility, uh, same thing. Both of those guys with, play, with playoff experience uh, do – make a difference and I do think those are the kind of under the radar moves look Jeff Blum when he hit the home run in 2005 I mean it was a it was a great thing but you, uh, you know you look at some of the other guys over the years that that became heroes that you didn't really know about at the time but they were in the right place at the right time and that's the beauty of the postseason that sometimes yeah. you're going to see a hero rise up that you didn't expect and then there's some main guys to look at. And we're just, you know, looking at the numbers. Sean Murphy, 342, three dingers, two, eight doubles, 10 RBIs in his last 20 games. I mean, July has been a great month for the A's. Offensively, it's been a great month for Sean Murphy. And, you know, if there's a time when people are going to be calling, he's 27 years old, under control. You now have a bazillion catchers in your system. And you just have a guy who was the MVP of the future, Futures game in Langoliers. Uh, are you going to be shocked if Murph's moved by the deadline? I would be shocked. I mean, I think he he might be an off-season type of scenario, again, based on where are, the, where are the A's going in the next 24 months? Where are they going to be in 23? Where are they going to be in 24? And how does Sean Murphy fit in that? He's become a leader inside this clubhouse. We know what he does behind the plate. His agility is second to none. His throwing arm is outstanding. He's the defending gold glover. His bat has finally come alive to, to – to the point of the consistency. You've always known he's had the big-time power. There have been times where the bat's kind of been a bit of a roller coaster. Now it's seemed to be a little more uh, consistent, and that makes him, a, to me, that makes him a, a special player at a difficult position to, to find somebody that's your guy. And he wants to catch. 
I mean, he, he wants to catch 135 games. I mean, that's another thing, too, that, that plays into another team looking at Sean Murphy. He would certainly be attractive. I would, I would be surprised if he, if he went uh, next week to a certain degree just because you've got three more years of control with him. Uh, he's not going to be making a lot of money. And I think if the A's move him, then it's got to be something significant for them to, to get back, given they've got depth of the position. Uh, you can always try to build around, see if Langelier is, is going to stick. There's no guarantee he will, but he, he is trending in that direction that he gets up here that you feel like he's, he's going to do more than just tread water. Uh, if that's the case, then, I mean, Sean Murphy would get a lot in return because of leadership skills, defensive prowess, calling games. He has presence, all those kinds of things that, that make him a special player. I just don't think you – you, you give them away for, you know, four guys in A-ball and, uh, you know, some guys that are, you know, four years away. I think you've got to look at a guy like Sean Murphy if you're going to trade him to a contending team. You've got to get something a little more, again, closer to the big leagues or in the big leagues, a young player. Uh, and Ezekiel Duran, let's say, uh, Vidal Brujan uh, with the Rangers and with the Rays, those are two young guys that are getting opportunities. Maybe you get a guy like that and you run him out for the A's and you give him 450 plate appearances and you see what he can do and you let him build on that. Jonah Heim and Sean Murphy back together. <laughs> uh, let's go Ramon Laureano. Yeah, he's he's in play. Scouts have been watching. They've, they've, I think scouts have wanted to see him more in center field than in right because center field is more of a position that some teams have a need for, specifically the Phillies, specifically the Marlins, and they both have watched him this week again. You know, where, where that goes, uh, uh, I, I don't know. But he, I, I think he's he's a guy, too. He, he He's not intimidated. You'd say, well, going to a market like Philadelphia could really chew up some people. I don't think that would bother a guy like Ramon. He, he's always had a little bit of a, of a chip on his shoulder. He's had a little bit of, in a good way, he's had a little bit of that attitude, which, which he feeds off of. So I think he's a fit in any market. You know, I, I don't think he would be phased by going to a, one of those kind of media frenzy type markets. And so I, I, to, to me, with not knowing anything, if, if I was looking at the player's that are getting the most phone calls or may have the most opportunity to be moved by next Tuesday would be Frankie Montas, Sam Mall, and then Ramon Laureano. All right, here you go. Your wild card, your Christian Bethancourt, where I remember Beth I was like, what? Bethancourt just, he finally started hitting the ball to right and he's hitting the ball off the wall and he's getting traded. Bethancourt got traded? Uh, give me your surprise. From the athletics? From the athletics. Like we'd wake up and go, he got dealt? I think if I'm if I'm saying surprise, I'd say Cole Irvin. I Good mean, one. Uh, I mean, I'd love to have him. I love having him here. Absolutely, he's he's been under the radar with the conversation about Montas and the great first half for Paul Blackburn going to the All Star game, and he has been so consistent. I don't want it. Let me be clear. I don't want to see Cole. No, Irvin. No, it's fair. We wanted it. Yeah. We want a sleeper. But, but I think it. But it, it's it, a good one. If you're a team looking for. You know, not a front of the rotation, but a middle of the rotation. Guy's going to eat innings. He's going to be consistent. Certainly knows how to pitch. And is pitching very confidently right now. That's the guy I would point to. I got to tell you, Juan Soto is the most fascinating guy that maybe ever has been traded because of his age, where the game is, 
there's so many different dynamics, right? Because normally everybody think, oh, you know, you got to – it's going to be the big boys, right? Well, no, it could be somebody who wants to get him now. You know, let's play that old flip this house game where I buy him – I buy the house for $2 million, then flip it for 3.3, and I made a million three, right? Ooh. So all of a sudden it'd be like, well, the Padres could get him. Well, wait a minute, the Mariners could really use him. They haven't been to the playoffs since 01. I've joked around, tried to make it, hey, the A's could get him, then we I've flip heard. him. <laughs> hey, play the hits, baby. Play the hits, as they say in radio. But it's so many different people could use him, then flip him, and then someone else could get him and flip him. I mean, what could happen to him before you actually got to pay him this crazy Scott Boris-type contract? Have we ever seen a free agent like this? It's interesting. I mean, he's he's a – I mean, I think right now, I know I can't say – five years from now because I don't know what kind of a player he's going to be. I don't know how his body's going to respond. I don't know if he's going to be heavy-legged, you know, if things are going to change. But right now he he is as big a difference maker as anybody in terms of changing the arc of a pennant race because of the things that he can do. He's, you know, and we don't even get a chance to see him that much. I'm, I'm, I'm doubtful I'll see him when the A's go to Washington to take on the Nationals at the end of August. I don't think he'll be there. I think he'll be playing for somebody else. Maybe he'll be playing for the Yankees. Maybe he's playing for – for the Mariners. I would like to see somebody other than the Yankees get him. And and to me, we both have had conversations with Jerry Depoto over the years. We know what a wheeler dealer he is. They've got a very strong system, uh, guys that are close to the big leagues. That kind of fits into what Mike Rizzo wants. Mike Rizzo is a scout, you know, going back to his early days. So he, I'm sure he's perused a lot of the information from all these various teams and, and looked at the players that are out there on this, you know, top 100 list and looked at it from a scout's perspective. Uh, so I, to, I think Juan Soto is can really be a, uh, as big a difference maker making a move at the trading deadline as about anybody in recent history. You know, a, a lot of people may not have thought about this. I've thought a lot about it because it's been very obvious where baseball has been going in our country compared to the other sports. And I really think what baseball has done, and I want to get your opinion on it, with putting everything in July, and I know GMs don't like it, but you know what? I don't care what they think. We're about what's what's best for baseball. We're in the entertainment business. And now that we have the draft and the futures game and Home Run Derby had good television ratings, even though the ratings you would say are not great for the All-Star game, they were they still won that Tuesday night. And to think that everything that's good now we have here at the start of August, we got the trading deadline. I just uh, I just for me it's just what baseball has done is very smart. Before football starts, training camps and everything, getting all this stuff out there has been huge. What do you think? Well, I agree, and I, I, I wish they would do something in baseball that we've seen other sports. And when free agency starts, it has a specific start and end, that there, there is a window, whether it's you know three days or it's two weeks, whatever the case might be, I think it's the, the kind of thing that I think will create even that more off-season excitement. And that's, to, to, your, to your point, the next step, that's what I, that is something I would like to see. We got to uh, get yeah, he's a good one. Zach Jackson in here. He's been he's been fun to watch grow, and uh, we saw him in Houston. He's got a lot of family there. We're in the hotel, and Zach had like 700 people sitting on one couch from both sides of the family, just enjoying what, what it was like being in the big leagues. Uh, you're gonna enjoy talking to Zach. He's a great talker. Well, it's like who do you really like from your family? Who you don't? Which you allow them where they're on this the couch, right? This side and the right? fiance side, you gotta you gotta play it right down the middle. That's what you gotta God, do. You remember doing that when you first got married? Still do it. You gotta act like you. Thirty-one like years it. later, I still do it. Good seeing you, Tony. Well, I'm glad you shot seventy-two at Pebble Beach. Yeah, then I played the rest, but thank you. <laughs> the great Vince Catronio. You'll hear him on A's Total Access. Brought to you by Chevron. 
Well, this I, is, is, is this your first appearance on A's Cast Live? Uh, it is. It is. Well, we've been trying to get you. We've been trying to work our people, talking to your people. You're not easy to book. <laughs> hey, I didn't even know I had people, so I'm glad to be here, though. How is everything going for you? Man, going good. Yeah, we're uh, right here in the dog days and, you know, just getting through these summer months. Looks like we're kind of coming together. So, yeah, things are going good right now. I think for you and where you are in your career – to have this opportunity to really be a big part at the back of a bullpen just has to be every day you can't wait to get to work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I know a lot of guys feel that way. You know, a lot of guys that were maybe just looking for an opportunity who had kind of been sitting in the minors for a while. Um, you know, obviously I was one of those guys, and the way it's gone this year is, you know, we've had a little bit longer leashes to, you know, kind of figure things out up here just because it's such a learning process. But, yeah, obviously coming to the field every day, getting to be in a big league ballpark every day is, you know, something – been dreaming of forever so yeah it's, it's a great opportunity yeah we talk about it all the time and it's whether you know because we see a lot of different players come in and out even though when the a's are having good years that happens and you say you know the great thing about coming to the a's it's the land of opportunity if you do well you will move up if you do well you will play that is the bottom line and that's not always the case in other organizations is that something you know when you came to the a's you realize i'm gonna actually get a legit shot yeah, you know, it was it was something where, you know, I came over here after COVID year where I didn't, you know, even get invited to the alternate site. You know, I'm kind of, you know, just sitting there trying to figure out what my baseball career is going to look like past 2020 and, you know, get over here. And they had made that very apparent that it was like, look, you know, you're essentially playing for your spot. And if you pitch better than everybody else, then you're going to be the guy who moves. And that's really all you can ask for as a player. You know, I know that a lot of times with analytics, the way that it's kind of set up now is you're just really hoping for an opportunity that, you know, your numbers can show it. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely fortunate to be an A because that's kind of how it's gone since I've been over here. Well, right now you're leading, and I don't even know if you guys pay attention to this, you're leading the American League in holds. Now that gives me something to talk about in a show like this, and I do the pre and I do the post and everything. But for you, does that matter to you to even look at that? You know, I, I think as a rookie it, it doesn't as much. You know, I, I think it's cool to say those things. But like, like you said, I mean, th this has been a big opportunity for me. So yeah. being a rookie, I just want to stay here. You know, I, I know that uh, there's been a lot, lot of opportunity to back end that bullpen this year. And so for me, just being fortunate enough to go out there and have the opportunity to pitch in clutch situations has been the coolest thing for me. You know, I'm, I'm not a big stat guy myself. I kind of – made that a point not to look at it because I think sometimes you can get a little too consumed with maybe, you know, reaching for a certain number or whatever. And, you know, once you get up here, you realize you just need to take the ball and give yourself a scoreless inning, you know, put your team in a position to win a game. So, yeah, I, I can't say I'm too big on the stats, but I, I did not know that. That's, that's pretty cool. I, I love how you come in and you're just airing it out. It's like, <laughs> here it is, fastball slider, here you go. Sometimes you're what I like to call effectively wild. Um, but that can play for you. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that people need to realize when you come out of the bullpen is that you're coming in to not pitch to contact. Great to have your defense work behind you, but you don't want a whole, whole lot of contact. Talk about your game plan when you come in out of the bullpen, especially late in games. Yeah, I think that's kind of always been the scouting report around me. Um, obviously, sometimes that, you know, can be a deficit the way that, you know, I've been in the past. And I think it's been the biggest learning opportunity this first half is like, hey, you know, even though you're not trying necessarily to pitch to hard contact because you have a big league defense behind you, sometimes sometimes you have to. And I think that's kind of the approach I've taken lately. You know, I really had a stretch there where it was just the walks were getting out of control. And I know it's frustrating to watch, frustrating to pitch the way that it happened. But, you know, at this point it's just been a mindset that, hey, if, if they can hit it, you know, see if you can. But just trying to go out there with the most confidence you can and, 
you know, saying that the, the coaches believe I should be here for a reason. I'm really going out there with my best stuff, and, you know, to this point it's worked out pretty well. Sometimes it's release point. Sometimes it's just your body. You're a little out of control with the body. So when, when it's not going well for you, what do you think it is? Yeah, I mean, for anybody who's watched, obviously I don't have the most orthodox mechanics. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it is just timing for me. You know, it's, it's not necessarily I'm a guy, you know, trying to hit an exact spot. It's, you know, usually, you know, cutting the plate in half one way or the other and trying to go there and – you know, I think just trying to maybe expand where I'm throwing the ball and just making sure it's in the zone or at least, you know, a quality pitch to see if they're going to get something to swing at. And, you know, so for me, I think a lot of it's more mentality, even though a lot of people would probably say, no, like your body's off or whatever, just because the way you throw. I think it's probably a combination of both. But honestly, when you get your mentality right, especially at this level that, you know, you can't be scared to face the hitters at this level as good as they are, you know, just be ready to go attack them. And your ability to pitch up in the zone and the ball just, it's one of those, you know, defies gravity type. Your ball stays up. It plays well because batters can't get on top of it. Talk about how that's a strength for you. Yeah, I think that's something, especially working in the offseason. I've worked with uh, Matt Hobbs. He's a coach at Arkansas now. Um, And even Wes Johnson, who was the guy uh, with the Twins. And that was when I really started understanding analytics and, you know, seeing what my fastball does. And you have that, you know, vertical break, essentially that ride for people who aren't familiar with the terms. And, you start realizing that, like, okay, this is the reason a pitch, you know, succeeds in this part of the zone and really understand who I was as a pitcher because, you know, how it was growing up, it's, hey, down and away, see if you can locate down there. And then you realize, well, that's not the most effective way for me to pitch. Um, so I think really getting in the offseason, getting in the lab and just kind of understand who I was, developing, you know, who I was in the minor leagues, trying to not necessarily reinvent myself, but, you know, pitch the way that my body and my, you know, fastball especially plays off of that. So I think a lot of that goes into offseason work and, you know, just tr- really trying to execute it out here. And that's the great thing about the technology that we have in our sport because back in the day they tried to teach everybody i'm a failed old college pitcher myself and everything was live down build it they used to say build the foundation build the house down and you want everything sinking down and now you're a part of a generation where they say no up because they can't there's no launch angle on your high fastball and you're in a huge ballpark if there's a swirling wind right now wait till it gets nighttime go ahead try and hit the ball in the air here so i mean i think that that's really been good for guys like you the fact that if there was just a keep it down and sink it that's not always the best everybody's different and your strengths are different yeah and like i said i it's definitely a you know a point to make of emphasis is this ballpark is favorable especially for guys like me who are just needing to prove to yourself hey you need to throw strikes to these guys see what they can do against you and you know you'll have balls that are hit pretty good here and it's like you know you have a great outfield out there um so it's like if I can just keep the ball in the park and it's you know fairly easy to do here compared to maybe some other places so I I think like I said just learn who you are as a pitcher learn your ballpark and really trust in your stuff well, since you brought up Arkansas, do you feel bad that your SEC is ruining college football? <laughs> I mean, do, do you take any responsibility for that? Well, here's what I want to say is I hate it more than anybody because I grew up an OU fan. So I oh, have I have Texas this, and OU in the so SEC. You got Texas now, which I've always, you know. With A&M and Missouri? Yeah, always hated Texas, but yeah. I grew up with the four of them growing up. Those were, you know, I was a Big 12 guy growing up. Yeah. and. So you have these teams now. My family's all – well, my mom's an OSU fan. My dad and the rest of my family's all big OU fans. So now I have, you know, this rivalry that's going to end up, you know, just developing because Arkansas know you're going to be playing every year. So I can't say I'm the biggest fan of it either because it was kind of nice having the separation of the conferences. Yeah, the big rival for Oklahoma back in the day was Nebraska, yeah. and they're in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's – 
Things have changed. Yeah, I get to hear stories from my dad about, you know, how uh, those 70s Nebraska teams, you know, yeah. used to be just a joy Some to Some of the watch. greatest college football mm. games ever was, uh, it was well, Texas, the Red River Shootout, or what do we call it now, the – uh, same. Still, so, River Shootout. Well, they have a new yeah. name because they don't want Shootout. There's a new oh, name okay. for it. See, that might but, yeah, but the River, on me. You know what I'm talking about. That Texas, Oklahoma has always been big, but Oklahoma, Nebraska, back mm. when I was a kid, was Big 8. And those were such huge games. And now I'm just trying to follow it. You're like, it just doesn't make – and USC and UCLA in the Big 10. Yeah, that one doesn't make sense to me. I will say for the OU Nebraska one, though, I got to go – I want to say it was in 2001. It was one of my first football games, but – Nebraska was one, OU was two, and they came to Norman. And it was, I mean, even to this day, I was probably five years old, but a game I vividly remember just because it was, I mean, such an electric ball game. You have the huge rivalry. I mean, just a great crowd. But, yeah, my dad has kind of instilled, you know, making sure I understand that, you know, Nebraska is right there with Texas as far as how that rivalry is. I've been to, uh, I've done a couple of games at, at Oklahoma. Beautiful. And, and a ton of fun. You the Whenever I've done LSU, I've done a bunch of these games, and it's like, our, you know, people just don't get it what college football is life. College football is everything. I mean, I mean, Arkansas, for God's sake. I mean, it's yeah. it's so huge. And the tailgating and the parties. Yeah. People get there like, as game's on Saturday, these RVs are rolling in on <laughs> Thursday. Yeah, that's one thing that, you know, oh, you have, you have a tailgating atmosphere, but the, that is one thing about the SEC is different. You know, Arkansas hasn't been necessarily a powerhouse since I've been, you know, a fan and obviously an alumni from there now, but – you know, you go to the tailgating, it's a whole different atmosphere. I mean, it's it's half of the enjoyment is, you know, the tailgating before the game. And it's cool because we have actually some family friends who grew up Arkansas fans. And like I said, they're there at 6 a.m., you know, on Saturday, setting up Friday night, whatever. And it's, I mean, just a whole show. You know, it, that's the emphasis of their weekend is getting that tailgate set up. So it was, that was a whole new atmosphere for me. But, man, it's been cool. And and how about for you USCC guys? Is, is Nick Saban ever going to retire? Oh, man. When is this going to end? You hope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you kind of got a guy. We got Sam Pittman now at Arkansas who we're kind of building a program. You know, you kind of have the Arkansas culture. But, you know, when you're consistently competing against the recruits that, you know, Alabama's getting and, heck, now even Georgia, I mean, it just seems like that it's just a never-ending thing that you just can't compete with those guys. But, you know, we're, we're coming. We, we feel strong with our team coming this year. We're projecting second in the west so yeah we're feeling good about football season in, in Fayetteville well now that you know we have fun here on Ace Cast Live and football and my god training camp for the Niners starts tomorrow right yeah Shanahan and Lynch were talking today so it's like uh, college football before you you know it is here you got to come back to the program hey you guys I am I am a huge football guy football and baseball are right here for me so anytime you want I'm, I'm actually a Rams fan so you know I know it's probably LA not, Rams fan so when they were I grew up when they were in St. Louis oh, okay. so when, that- they, when they were there it was always kind of like we had, you know, the greatest show on turf. That yeah. was kind of when I came up with football, and that was, you know, one of the closer teams to me. And then when I moved out to L.A., I was like, ah, oh, with the fandom, I don't know if I, you know, jump off the bandwagon and go somewhere else. But it's worked out now. We got Sean McVay, and, you know, things are looking good with Matty oh, Stafford. Oh, what a year was unbelievable. Too bad you weren't here when the Raiders were here. I used to work for the Raiders, too, and the Raider this place – you could have seen this place for Raider games. I've oh, heard stories. Yeah. Everybody in costumes, and it was <laughs> rocking. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen coming that. Here. Yeah, no, that's insane. Well, appreciate the time. Keep doing what you're doing, and you know, I don't. I, obviously, you guys don't listen to the post game show, but uh, but there's been some mentions uh, from me saying I could see. Uh, Closing some games out in your career. Yeah, like I said, at this point, you know, we, we have our guys here in the back of the bullpen now that, you know, I, I feel like have been really effective as a whole. So, you know, as as I I guess I would speak for the whole bullpen saying, you know, we are not big stack guys. We don't really care who gets it done as long as we're holding down the score down there. Good stuff. Come back soon. Right, thank you. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. 
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Daniel, welcome to the program. It's great to have you here. Daniel Susak, the first round pick for the Athletics, number 19, out of the University of Arizona. This is the first time A's fans get to look at you live. Say hello to A's fans. How's it going, A's fans? I'm excited to be here. I got to think for you, a day like this, taking BP with the big club, we did it with Henry Bolte yesterday, mm -hmm. and it's just got to be an amazing feeling. The Houston Astros are coming out of the field. It's like you're now kind of a part of this fraternity. What's it like? You know, it's really fun. Obviously, you know, getting to hit some big league balls with some big league players is really fun. Getting to meet all the guys, you know, even guys my brother played with, I think is really fun, and, you know, just trying to take it all in. You know, you, you think about an opportunity like this, what a year it's been, and Chip Hale, your, 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 yeah. your coach, is good friends of ours for his years on Bob Melvin's staff. You know, he was recently on with our buddy Roxy Bernstein talking about you. It's just what a good time, you know, and to be drafted in an organization where you know you're going to get a lot of opportunities, that, that's got to feel great for you. It does. You know, I'm excited to play, you know, at a place that really wanted me. Um, I think that was one thing that emphasized for me, and that's huge for me, somebody that really wants me. And, I, you know, I'm going to do all I can to keep working my way up and help contribute to the team. What was it like going through, let's say, around the 15th pick on? Because, you know, there's teams that like you. They've talked to you. Take us through that process, and then finally at 19, the A's call. You know, it's an exciting process, but it's also very stressful. Stuff's yeah. going fast. Everything's going fast. And I think I knew right around – pick 15 or pick 16 that I was going to the A's and you know it was an exciting phone call just my whole family plus friends 150 people there especially <laughs> from awesome. from being an hour and a half away I think it was really exciting oh so so what did the A's say when you got on the phone uh you know they talked to me earlier and then obviously they were talking to my agent mainly and they were like you know he's our guy we want him and you know we got it done and I'm sure Chip kind of pumped you up on the A's too right I hope so I hope so so I got to think that worked well you know when you think about your game you're a tall catcher. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's uh, it's you know, you coming over. What are you about six five? Six four. Six four. Yep. Yeah. So how does that play for you? Give me, give us your strengths as a big catcher. I think my biggest strength has nothing to do with height. I think it's more leadership back there. You know, understanding that as a catcher, you're nothing without your pitching staff, basically. So trying to get the most out of them. But I think what I do best is throwing, trying to limit the run game. Uh, I have a pretty strong arm, so I think that's what I'd probably do best as a catcher. Yeah, he said you can even go Benito Santiago and throw from your knees. You like to do that? I do. I do like to do it sometimes, catch people as a surprise. Yeah, does that help with your size too, the fact the long arms, you don't have to get up, you don't have to make that turn, you can just throw that bullet? It does. Yeah, obviously having long levers, it's easy to you know, snap that ball in a second off the knees. You know, the one thing that, uh, you know, you talk about with catcher is so much people focus on offense, but as you said, the pitching staff, what it means, like, Offense is always the add-on, especially when you get here. I think of, you know, you know, just across the way, Martin Maldonado. They talk about he can be the, the Astros MVP, and he hasn't done much offensively. It's how he's handled the staff. Just how important it is for you to handle the staff, just not the starters, but to even know all the arms down the bullpen. 
It's extremely important. I think it's the most important thing as a catcher is handling that staff, getting the most out of them. Because if they aren't comfortable pitching to you, you're not going to get the most out of them. And at the end of the day, if your pitcher pitches good, you don't have to do much as an offense. And then for you, when did you learn it's so pivotal that you not only have to know what guys throw and know the entire staff, you got to know what makes them tick. you got to know what makes them tick in certain situations. You played in the Pac-12, one of the most competitive leagues. you got to know when a guy's coming out, what pitches he needs to throw in those pressure situations. When did you know that's something that I have to know on a daily basis? I think right when I got on campus at college was when I really started to you know, take off there. You know, maybe going to go get dinner with a guy, uh, inviting him over to watch a game, seeing what makes him upset, but also what makes him happy, knowing what he wants to hear and what he doesn't want to hear. Because, you know, there's times for both. Uh, if a guy's struggling, is he a guy that you get on or is he a guy that you, you know, soften up a little bit for? And that's all off the field, in my opinion, getting to know them as a person. How are they in the weight room? How are they as, you know, a student? So I think that's huge. That's a leadership quality, and, you know, there's one thing. Catchers are always going to be leaders. It's always funny. People never think of the game this way, but it's the only position where everybody looks at you and you look at everybody else. Yeah. It's so unique that way, and there's just whether you want to be a leader or not, you have to be. It's just what the position calls for. Exactly. That's why I love it. i played quarterback my whole life. It's the same way, and I've always liked, you know, having the game in my hands in that aspect. Did you think about playing college football? I did a little bit. Um if there was no injury risk, it's something I probably would have done. <laughs> but, uh, you know, football I love. I love watching it as well. Tell us about your offensive game. I think I don't get enough credit, in my opinion, for hitting. I think, you know, sometimes I'll swing outside the zone a little bit, but sometimes, you know, I get hits with it. And I've always had the ability since I was little to hit the ball the other way, and I use it to my advantage at times. I uh, have some power in there. Um, I know I think I can tip, tap into a little bit more, but I would say hit over power at the time. And, you know, I think the power will keep coming as I get older. Best story that I've heard about you that made me excited, because one of the things that I don't like covering this game for many, many years is how we become a three-true outcome game, home run strikeouts, walks. And we look up at a scoreboard and see a bunch of guys hitting a buck 90 or 220. I hate that. Mm -hmm. Best story I heard about you was at Arizona. They try and shift on you. You'd beat the shift, and then you'd talk smack to your teammates saying, you can't shift on me, showing that you have back control. Yeah, I would do that to Chip all the time in practice as well. Uh, you know, I just like to light a little fire in practice. You know, sometimes practices need it. But I think Texas Tech tried to do it to me earlier in the year. Um, you know, I'll just take what they give me, you know, because at the end of the year you might want that hit. Maybe it's an extra, you know, three points that could have bumped you up to the next, you know, mark. And so whenever it's there, Thank take it. you. A yep. couple extra hits, and yep. next, you know, it dramatically, you know, I try and tell people all the time, it's a game of math. Mm -hmm. So a few extra hits not only improves just your batting average, because a lot of people got batting averages matter, mm -hmm. but some of those hits may be doubles, but it increases your on base, your slugging, your OPS, your OPS plus, your weighted runs created plus, your war. Everything goes up. It's a game of math. Yep, it's never bad to get an extra hit in there. No, not not at all. And, and and the fact that you understand back control is a big part of your game. Yeah, it is. I think, you know, not every pitch is going to be one that you can drive. So knowing when to, you know, take that single into right versus, you know, pitch right down the middle, you might take a little bigger swing. You know, maybe it's your pitch. But that low and away slider, you're probably not going to hit very far often. So you take what they give you. So when you think about you haven't played in a while, how eager are you? Because they, you know, they pushed the draft back. I'm glad they did. It made it a bigger deal the past couple of years. But you haven't played in a while. How eager are you to get going? I'm very eager. I'm really excited to play again. You know, it's been a while, I think, since early June. 
So it's been a little bit over a month. So I'm just excited. Yeah, the play you know, in the regionals, right? Exactly. Yeah. So just excited to go play wherever they send me. Do you know where you're going? I know I'm going to Phoenix first. That's all I know as of now. Okay. Yep. So probably you're going to end up in Stockton to start out? Don't know. We'll see. Uh, I just know tomorrow I'm taking off for Phoenix and then going to Mesa. Is it weird taking this much time off? A little bit. Um, playing baseball and football my whole life, I've never really had like a month to just train. Um, so I think that's the same thing with the off season. It's going to be a great time, you know, keep getting better at the game. You know, one thing that Chip mentioned, and it's so true for guys like yourself, you haven't had a whole lot of failure in your career. There's a reason you're a first-round pick, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the reason why you went to the University of Arizona, one of the great college baseball programs, is because of the success that you have had. But in our game of failure, as you move up, you will deal with that. Have you thought about that at all? I have. I mean, you, you, know, you fail all the time in baseball. If you fail 70% of the time, you're a Hall of Famer. And my freshman fall, I really struggled. I think I hit like 170 my freshman fall. My first time facing college arms every single day. Yeah. But, you know, I just kept working through it, went home for that little bit of a break, worked hard, came back, you know, and earned that starting role my freshman year and kept going with it. Other than catcher, what can you play? I think I can play every position on the field. I just think I get the most out of myself, and so will the team at catcher. That's what I'm best at. But I think I'm athletic enough to play anywhere on the field. So other than what's been the most you have played away from catcher? So in college, if I just say, yeah. you, okay, you're not catching today. You got to play in this game today against the Houston Astros, mm -hmm. one of the best teams in baseball. You can't screw up defensively. Where are you the which glove am I giving you? Where are you the most comfortable? So in my two years of college, I've only played catcher, but I would say first or right. Those would be my two guesses. Okay, so that's versatility. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yep. Because, you know, that's one of the things that is, you know, we want to see you be a catcher and be a catcher here for a long, long time. Yeah. But the reality is sometimes to say if there's a catcher already here, can move you. If you got the bat, we can move you to other places. And the fact that you're saying you're comfortable infield and outfield. Exactly. Yep. Very comfortable. Anywhere. Well, that's great stuff. Hey, we appreciate it. We're going we're gonna to have a lot of interviews together. The oh, yeah. next time I'll see you is uh, down in spring training. But go enjoy with your family. We know you got TV and yep. radio to do during the game, but congratulations. It's truly going to be one of the best moments and the fondest memories of your life this day today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We have more next right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, now joining us on A's Cast Live, he is the best distance runner here at the Coliseum. You read him on the athletic national baseball columnist, Eno Saris, who could barely sit down on the stool he is on as we speak. Uh, how, first of all, how are you? I am sore in places I didn't expect to be sore. You ran a half marathon. On Sunday, yeah. I've been training for it for a while. Okay, um, simple question. Why? <laughs> like I said, man, I got to do something to get rid of this beer gut. And you and, and you, you actually, you got to actually train. Like, you got to get your body, and that's got to be the worst part of it. 
Yeah, I think that was actually an underrated part of the experience. I was looking around being like, I think some of y'all didn't didn't actually train for this. <laughs> uh, because I ran, I ran a, a 10 uh, about uh, two weeks before it, and so I knew I could do it. Okay, is the goal a marathon? No, I think when I, when I finished, I was like, that's was okay <laughs> i wouldn't have wanted to have done twice that so i think if i if i have another goal i am looking for a goal and i think this is actually interesting in the context of baseball and in sports in general sometimes you get to the mountaintop and like you know people ask you so like so what now right and i think the the crazy people that are are professional athletes they're like do it again do it better you know like you know, hit more homers and you know whatever it is that they did you know and so I think just for me, I'm not a crazy athlete. I'm just going to try and maybe beat my time next year. Yeah, I've never gotten to the mountaintop, so I've never had to worry <laughs> about that. Uh, but it, it's a great point. Think about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods changed his swing three different times, three different swing coaches. With all of them, he won majors. But it was like, wait a minute. You just set the record at Pebble Beach at the U.S. Open. You just set the record – at, at uh, St. Andrews for the first time he won there for the Open Championship. We called the British Open. Yeah. And then now you're going to go to Hank Haney and change your swing? Like, what? Like, 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 There yeah. was no party. It was like, just mic drop and I'm out. Or just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Nolan, Nolan Ryan, just keep throwing it as hard as you can with a big curveball. You can do it forever. Yeah, right, right. So the uh, article, the three true outcomes are changing and are down. Are all three down? Or is just one or all three? So home runs, strikeouts, and walks are all down. Uh-huh. And it's the first time in 17 years they've all been down together, and it's only the second time in 30 years that they've all been down together. Is baseball better? Because uh... <laughs> we, we, we said it was worse that they were going up I know, together. I know, I know. I would say that it's on its way to getting better because the, 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 the key thing that still remains, because it's not like batting averages are up and it's not like – uh, we got a ton of balls in play all of a sudden. Each of these things is incrementally better. Um, I would say that the, the, the last thing we have to attack still is strikeout rate. We push strikeout rate back to 2017. There's a little bit further we can push it back. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I think people, and I, I just did it with uh, Daniel Susak, and I try and tell people all the time, I just go, this is, and I just said it, so I hate to repeat myself, but it's, <laughs> it's a game of math. And we did it the other day when I was having to fill in for uh, Bip Roberts, who was taking over for Dallas Braden, who was just having his third child. So I was having to do the TV over at NBC, and we were looking at things, you know, that we'd like to see in the second half. And I said, you know, I'd like to see Seth Brown increase his batting average. And I put it at a number that I knew would shock people a little bit. I said, I want to see it go from 227 to 260. And you should see people's eyes like, well, you, that can't happen. I said, okay. Let's just do this. I'm going to give him one hit per week for the last 15 weeks, right? We, uh -huh. have, we had about 15 weeks. If he gave him just one more hit a week. He'd be hitting 260? 278. Wow. And you got to think some of those would be doubles. Some of them would be home what runs. About, what about some uh, or some, down the line? But what whatever it be, bunts? all of his numbers, OPS, OPS+, plus, weighted runs created everything plus, would go up. war, everything would go up because it's math. The more you do, the more everything goes up. So I try and tell people, you know, hitting 227 sucks. You may not care about batting average, but you're not going to stick here long hitting 227. Well, I, I think this is what's, uh, what's, what is uh, interesting and cool about this, the three triagons going down is – 
walk rate. We didn't do anything about walk rate. We didn't change the strike zone. We didn't tell the umpires to do anything different. We didn't do anything to affect walk rate, and walk rate went down. You know why? Because home run rate went down. And those two things are always linked because walk rate is just a measure of how afraid you are of the batter. And, you know, if there are fewer home runs to be afraid of, the pitcher's going to come in the zone more. So that's something that will lead to balls in play because if the pitcher's in the zone, the batter's got to swing. Well, it's Shark Week right now on the Discovery Channel, and if there's less sharks around the boat, I'm more willing to go swimming. <laughs> You're right, exactly, yeah. So, I mean, I, it makes sense. And, you know, strikeout rate is down because we did the sticky stuff enforcement, and also we stopped pitchers from hitting. Pitchers were striking out nearly 50% of the time uh, when we last when we last saw them saw them hitting. So, uh, I think that was uh, that that's a very simple approach, but there's more to be done, of course, with the velocity uh, and maybe pitcher limits on, on the roster and stuff like that. I would say strikeout rate is the one thing we still have to do a lot of work on, um, and there are different things they're going to do on it. But it is interesting. You just reduce the home run rate, which is not, I think, something that people at the game would be pro. You know, it's like, oh, fewer home runs, but we like home runs, right? But when you reduce the home run rate, you reduce the walk rate, uh, and you may actually reduce the strikeout rate, and you may get more balls in play. Now, technically, a home run is not a ball in play because it never was technical. Well, it was it was in play when it was thrown from the pitcher's right. hand, and when you <laughs> made contact, it was in play. Uh, the strikeout rate. So many people want to just immediately go to velocity, and I don't know if that's uh, some of that's probably true. But then again, you got human beings adapt, right? And like in every sport, you know cornerbacks are faster than ever before receivers are faster than ever before like hitters have been hitters these kids have been seeing higher velocity as the velocity goes up these hitters see it and they've adapted to it Mm -hmm. is it more approach to the strikeouts than it is just velocity being up if it is approach i think we could get an answer on that because we would see more balls in play every year from now going forward because they're not getting rewarded by the home run as much. The, one of the reasons they went to this A swing on every sw- every uh, every swing. Same approach, swing every pitch. A swing all the time. The reason they went to that was because, like in 2019, we had more homers than ever. So of course you're going to take your A swing. You know, I'd rather take my A swing with two strikes and hit a homer or, and strike out. You know, because the homer's going to be there for me. But now you can take more A swings, especially if you go oppo and it dies on the warning track. You know. And so if that's going to happen, then I got I better have a, a B swing and a C swing and better, you know, try to put this ball in play. So if it is approach, we should see more balls in play over the next few seasons. It makes me think, What when was the Bucky Dent game? Was that 79, 78? I think it was 78. 78? I'll, I'll, I'll fact check. I might be the what, yeah. what, Were you born yet? No. Yeah, I, I was. I'm probably the only guy who was born. I, I wasn't even close to being born. I was. I was like six years old. I don't remember it. But I. I watched it during COVID. They seventy eight. Seventy eight. They aired it on MLB Network. And I remember at one point in the game, Reggie Jackson steps up. Now, no one struck out more than Reggie Jackson in his era. But still, he was hitting. This is you know. This is this is game one sixty three. He hit like two eighty one. That he led the league in strikeouts, but still hit two eighty one. And in this game, he had two strikes. Reggie choked up, and as you mentioned, not you know an A swing, a B swing, yeah. you know, whatever the situation, the count, switching your approach. Do you think we will see 
a change in balls in play. We're seeing a little bit of it because what I saw, for instance, is uh, since we've been tracking it, the last two years are the highest number of opposite field ground balls into the shift by lefties. So there is a little bit of there's an adjustment. Yeah, put it in play. Uh, anecdotally, I remember just the other day in the Giants game, Brandon Belt, uh, they, they were down by three in the ninth. He just dropped a little bunt uh, down the line. I, I can't find real statistical evidence that that's up, but we do have uh, – I think we're seeing a little bit of it anecdotally. Um, there's more work to be done there, I think. you know, and, and, I, and I'm a little worried that banning the shift will incentivize the wrong things. What about the pizza pie second base that they're doing? The pizza, if you look at it, the, the, the bottom of the pizza is second base, and then it goes out into the grass, well, and it makes the infielders not be able to play up the middle. You like I li- that? I like that because when you're in Little League or when you're in high school, where if you're in development, you're developing yourself as a ball hitter, they'll say a single up the middle, right? Hit the a ball line back drive towards up the middle. The pitcher, hit the ball, yeah. Yeah, take the pitcher's head off, right? I mean, not, not literally, but, you know. You know, like that's that's the that's the that's a good outcome. That's something you're coached to do. And then you get to the major leagues, and the shortstop's standing on second base, and he's just gobbling up anything you do there. So you have to you have to adjust, and that that'll lead you to more. I'm gonna try and pull this ball in the air, pulled air pulled air balls or homers. I'm, that's why I'm gonna do everything in that sort of pull side, right? If I miss hit it, it's a pulled ground ball. I'm out. If I hit it right, it's a homer. I'm not doing a lot of stuff over here. Hey, other sports, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, they've all changed defensive rules to help the offense. It's happened for a long, long time. This will be the first time, though, that we draw a line on the field and say, you cannot stand there. I have no problem with it. <laughs> I can't wait for that base hit back up the middle. If I can't we, wait for if it. We were, yeah, and it's not like what I didn't like about banning the shift was this idea that, oh, maybe everyone just go pull even more. Because now there's they, they can't shift, but they can still put that second baseman in the hole pretty deep, right? And that steal that steals those pulled ground balls uh, from the, the pull heavy guys, right? But this spy slice thing is not incentivizing you to pull the ball down the line. It's incentivizing you to go up the middle, which would lead to more balls in play. I'm going to give you my biggest pet peeve, which it, it's just about me. I know it's selfish, but it it literally drove me nuts. The A's would put Marcus Simeon out in right field. He's playing Rover. Yeah. He is deep into right field. Left-handed guy would hit it to him. He'd throw it to first base, and in my scorebook, I'd have to write (laughs) 6-3. He is not a shortstop anymore. He is a right fielder. I should not. That drove me nuts. That actually led to an advancement in defensive metrics because uh, there's a couple defensive metrics that couldn't handle that. Because they were like, wait, 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 the second baseman did what, where? Uh, and so uh, one of the defensive metrics, the one on Fangraphs, UZR, uh, just threw out any uh, shift. So that play wouldn't exist uh, for Marcus Simeon. The Manny Machado down yep. the right field line and fell toward Does not exist in UZR. Does not exist on Fangraphs war. That that did not contribute to Manny Machado's war that year. In the scorebook, it would say F. F5. Yeah. A foul out to the third baseman. But StatCast, and, and I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that Fangraphs updates their war soon to reflect this because uh, StatCast now knows where you started and can say, oh, the second baseman started over there. He didn't run all the way from second base and, and get the ground out <laughs> by first base or in short right field, you know. Okay, I'm not going to ask you where you think Juan Soto's going to go. Mm-hmm. What I want to know is – 
Where do you want him to go? What would be the juiciest, best move for baseball? I've Where literally, for him? I won't, I won't out him, um, but I literally just had this conversation with an A, uh, and we were going back and forth. And he an said, "Ace player." Yeah, and he said, "Yankees. It'll be perfect. Like you know, that'll be the perfect lineup. It'll they'll be unstoppable. They'll win it all." He's they got Joey the- Gallo. Why do they need? <laughs> how, uh, how does he only have two sack flies in his career? You and I could have two sack flies in our career if we were. I here. know, and he hits a but. Uh, he, he hits fly balls. He hits fly balls. It's yeah, crazy. it is crazy. Okay, so Juan Soto. Uh, Juan Soto to the Yankees uh, was his vote, uh, but I said, uh, "Come on, the you know the favorites get get bigger." I want, I want, I want somebody who hasn't won to win. So I kind of like the idea of the Padres uh, because he could be what puts them over the top. They're missing thump. Uh, they don't really have a lot of guys that grind out at bats the way Soto does. Uh, and and just the idea of kind of Soto Machado Tatis as like a threesome, I just I think that would be really fun. We're 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 uh, almost in August here. Tatis is. What are we talking? I mean, if everybody keeps saying, everybody keeps saying Tatis. And there, even Wait, the do you last have something, time? Cody? He, he took batting practice on the field today. Great! But, it's batting practice. It's even, August. But even when he was uh, even when he was cleared for that, uh, the the doctors didn't all agree. There was like this thing that came out. They said they said well, there was something that they didn't all agree on. Maybe so. that's why you need Soto more than ever because he may he may be a non-factor. Yeah, yeah, and it would be a shame to kind of uh, to to lose Tatis in the middle of this this great this great run they're having for San Diego. You know, but um, you know, just going to the Dodgers and the Yankees would be the rich getting richer. So I'm I'm just rooting for somebody that's not top two. Uh, or top three. I mean, going to the Mets would be about the same. I, somebody that's not in that sort of top three. I'd love to see. I like new blood. You know, I'd like to see somebody new win it all. My my he could w- shift it that way. I my, think he's that good. My wife loves the show Property Brothers, which then has <laughs> I watched that. then has now led me to watch Flip This House, uh-huh. and then my kids like Carolina, uh, Carolyn, on the coast or whatever it is. The bottom line is, why not the A's? And I'm going to say this. I get a house, I pay $2 million for it. <laughs> I'm now going to have it and enjoy it for a little bit, and then I'm going to flip it for $3.3 million. I've now made $1.3 mil. Whatever <laughs> we would flip for him, <laughs> next 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 season you we get would more. get way more. <laughs> I don't know. People say that you know you that more people there would be more teams uh, at the table in, in an off season, right? Because more teams could theoretically be good. So we'd have them here for two. I months, don't know if I believe that. Take actually. pictures of them in the white cleats and look awesome, and then flip him in the off season. Who in who in this in this MLB right now? In the uh, in next off season, would be want what would would trade for Soto that wouldn't trade for him now. Wouldn't trade for him. Who wouldn't trade for him now, but would trade for him. Well, in the, the question, I, I guess, uh, how Nobody. about how about what you would give up for him now versus what you'd give up for less, him in the off season because you get less of him. You unless, get him for two postseasons unless instead of you one. lost something or you've had injuries and you've become uh, more desperate. I. I, I agree with you. I think the I think the Hayes thing is a little bit out there. But uh, for the Rays. Hey, i got to bring us in somehow. The, for the Rays, it's a possibility that they. Uh, and then they, they flip them. Use they, them and they flip them. They would flip them. They would totally flip them. And if they just thought that, like, you know, the, he could give us a chance this year and we can get as better as good or better next year, you know, back for him, then that's the one team that's, like, kind of a dark horse in this conversation. Well, I, that's why I said to Vince 
Catronio earlier that he may be the most fascinating trade piece because of his age, mm-hmm. because of the climate where you have. Right now we got like 16 teams where you, you either lead the division, have a wild card, or near a wild You have so many more teams in play now than ever before. It's just the right yeah. time. He's like one of the most interesting, if not the most interesting, trade pieces of all time. And it was fascinating, too, because I, I think the guy he reminds me of most of playing baseball is Miguel Cabrera. And that might be one of the last players that was traded with years of team control left for a massive package. But I th- if I remember correctly, Miguel Cabrera was an off-season trade. Um, and uh, I don't know. They didn't do that well with the, the prospects they got for him. Uh, it was like Cameron Mabin. I don't remember what else they had. And Andrew Miller was one of them. Andrew Miller. As they a had starting to, pitcher, not they, a reliever. They, they flipped him again yeah. before he became the ace reliever that he was. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what we learned from that, sort of looking backwards. Uh, probably I would learn not to trade Soto, but yes. if he's not going <laughs> to take your deal, then maybe you got to consider it. I do think that there is a number, there is a percentage that he does not go anywhere. It's uh, 5, 10, maybe even 25% he doesn't go anywhere. How much does this start today for Frankie Montas? Either enhance, hurt, does nothing at all for his value. I think it, it matters because if you're uh, the the real question with him is not how good he is, it's how 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 healthy he is. So if he goes out there and maintains his velo and maintains his spin and and you know hit checks all your boxes for health, then you're more likely to go and get him. I think. Do innings matter? Pitches matter? Have like pitch count matter? Uh, to some extent, but you know, around the league, you know, you you be trading him to maybe a team that has a better bullpen. They don't. Maybe they just want him for five or you know five and a half. You know, that, that's good enough for them because they got a good bullpen. They need a good starter for the first five. Mostly, what you want with Montas that doesn't exist on the market other than Luis Castillo is a guy that might actually start your second or third game in the postseason. You know, I don't think there's anybody else like that available on the market. And then it's Big Murph, who's hot right now, swinging the bat. I think it costs too much, man. I don't think he's going anywhere. He's he's got like four more years of team control, and he's a young catcher. He, I just I just ran the numbers. He's uh, you realize we have like eight thousand catchers in the organization. But he's top three in he's top three in framing. Uh, he's top ten in barrel rate, and he actually has an average strikeout rate. I think he's like maybe a top three young catcher in the game. I don't I don't know. I, that doesn't. But, but at some point. Traded. If we know they're probably not going to be good next year, he's 28. I don't know if you're good next year after that. That's your 29. If I he mean, goes anywhere, Giants. They've been Giants. desperate for catching. They don't you can't have, trade with the Gi- Giants. Giants and A's don't trade. Far, well, we do have Farhan over there now. Giants might go nuts over a, a guy like this. Young well, guy behind L- the plate. Loriano over there? Uh, I think he makes sense. I also uh, I was actually talking to Loriano about Milwaukee. Milwaukee has been bad against left-handed hitter, left-handed pitchers. They could use a righty. They could actually almost trade their young uh, center fielder, Tyrone Taylor, who has more years of, of control and is cheaper uh, for Ramon Laureano, maybe with another prospect thrown in. I think it would make a lot of sense. And, and when I said that, Ramon's eyes lit up. Yeah, Milwaukee. <laughs> I would like to hit there. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's time he's about ready to get out of here. Yeah, he said he's, uh, he said he's up in the caffeine. Uh, because of the fewer people in the stands. <laughs> He's tripled his caffeine regimen. <laughs> I'm being told we're running out of time, so I have to get to the most important. As we start to transition, we're still in summer. It's July. I get it. Uh-huh. But at some point, we're going to start the, the weather. starts heading to fall. It's football season. What do you transition out of beer-wise and into the fall? I'm getting into uh, Saison's right now. I really like Saison's. They... Uh, 
they're, they've got a little bit of barrel funk to them. Uh, so there's a little bit more taste, but they're still light and effervescent. So you're not you're not into like the barrel aged stouts yet. It's a it's a perfect fall beer. Yeah, you're you're not ready to go thicker beer yet. Oh, and you know, there's actually some news, Oakland specific news. Uh, Sante Darius is now open in the old Trappist uh, in Oakland, and it's excellent. They're really well known. Saison Bernice is maybe a, a top three Saison for me. Uh, and they're now probably one of the best breweries in, in Oakland. Any new beers named after you? Uh, no, but I did have some of my uh, – I, I, I actually, uh, we're, <laughs> we're going to do a, a Sticky Stuff. Uh, we, you, you had the Sticky Stuff can? Yeah. We're doing a sequel, uh, and we're calling it Stuff Plus. It's so funny <laughs> when you when you talk about sticky stuff, but it's actually a beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of so, different around here in Oakland. Stuff plus is, is my is my stuff metric for for pitchers stuff. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, stuff. You got you got all this new stuff going on. How? It's good. It, it, it actually teams use it because what you can do is you can graph where a pitcher is in their movement and velocity and stuff, and you can say, hey, if you can add an inch of ride, you get into the good stuff over here. So people, most teams have a stuff metric, and they use it to guide their player development when it comes to How pitchers. different is your stuff from their stuff? I, kn- I had Because we're talking about a lot of stuff here. I, know. I had Matt Brash uh, with a 190 Stuff Plus slider. He came to the major leagues. They said uh, on the air in Seattle that their Stuff Plus had him at 180. So pretty close. You're the man. The great Eno Saris. He is one of the main reasons you subscribe to The Athletic. And the app on your phone or where you're on your, I'm telling you, journalism is not dead. Sports journalism is dead in the Bay Area, but not with the <laughs> athletic. They do a great job. We, you know, Melissa Lockhart all the time we have her on. She's great. So whether you're talking about A's, Giants, Major League Baseball, NFL right around the corner, NBA with the Warriors, athletic is a great product. Thanks for having me. Coming up next, we got commercials, and then I'll be back with A's Total Access. Getting you ready for the athletics and the Houston Astros. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.